0: and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. Check out the website, abotanicalcompany.com. When you use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, discount code Colby Show, you save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Again, check out the website. Uh, easy to order, easy and safe pickup. And if you have any questions about their products and how they can benefit you, do not hesitate to give them a call, 405-458-9699. Their entire mission is to help people live a better life. So if you're not sure about these products and how they can potentially help you from a, a physical or a mental aspect, then call them and talk to them and ask questions. Like I said, they are more than happy to just walk you through what these products are and how they can help you. So again, I I love the fact that, that uh, they are... You know, with the podcast, I think they're great people and j- just simply the fact that their mission is to help people uh, is really exciting. So again, Colby Show for 15% off your online order, a abotanicalcompany.com. All right, uh, we're going to jump right into the conversation in just a moment, so I don't want to spend too much time uh, rambling here. Uh, I did want to remind everybody that if you aren't able to catch the stream every day and you want to watch the video, because I know... Uh, like today, they're they're in our conversation. Um, there's a, a point where I'm I'm showing people things. So if you're just listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever, and you're not able to catch the stream every day, you can find it at YouTube. So uh, Col- just search Colby Daniels on YouTube. You'll see the the podcast logo there, and the daily videos uh, are uploaded on YouTube after I get done streaming. So. Um, originally, I, I was just using that as a, like an archive for myself. And uh, there have been people that just weren't able to catch the stream and wanted to watch it that way. So again, that's available there as well. And uh, also, you know, coming up very soon, uh, we're going to start trying to get some listeners to, to jump on with me. Um, I, I've said this repeatedly. I think the one thing I, I really miss about live radio is just having the, the listener interaction, uh, whether it's phone calls or Twitter or whatever, to just kind of have that, that back and forth. Uh, so if if it's something you're interested in, if there's been a topic that I've covered that you want to talk about or you disagree with, I'm more than happy uh, to, to do that. Or if there's something you just want to talk about, uh, I'm happy to do that as well. So hit me up on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels or Instagram Colby_Daniels dot Daniels. And uh, just just let me know We can schedule something. And like I said, I, I just I love the interaction. I love having conversations about sports and, and having different perspectives on some of these things and different ideas to, to throw around. So. Anyway, if that's something you're interested in and want to do, then it uh, I'm more than happy to to make that happen. So we'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, all right, let's get to today's conversation. Our weekly Wednesday guest, Aaron Davis. Aaron Davis,
1: what's going on on this Wednesday? Not much. Just uh, dreading having to go back outside today because I went outside for about literally five minutes this morning. And I thought I was going to die because my allergies were just so bad. From being outside for five minutes <laughs> and I'm gonna have to go out work today and I just it's gonna be a rough day so I'm gonna enjoy my time inside before I have to go inevitably like go into grocery stores and just have everybody stare at me because I can't stop sneezing in my mask. yeah
0: yeah no I get that I we uh, mine over the last two days have been so bad that I have wiped us out of Kleenex and we don't keep a lot of Kleenex on hand anyway but I've now transitioned to the toilet paper usage to blow my nose, and I've probably used like three fourths of a toilet paper roll in the last 24 hours.
1: Oh, it's I used a a good chunk of a roll this morning, yeah. just in about a 10 minutes span. Yeah. So
0: I feel your pain, man. I'm 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 also suffering from the uh, the allergy attack.
1: Yeah, I might have to uh, I might have to drug myself up today, but it might be. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid that it's going to be too too late too little too late by the time I actually take some, but
0: we'll see. Nice, nice. That's not the only thing I'm suffering from. So it's actually way better today, but two days ago, I, I, so I got, well, I guess I should just give you the, the original backstory. So, so for Christmas, one of my Christmas gifts was this little suction contraption and I've got it right here. Sorry to those of you that are listening to the podcast and not watching the stream, but (laughs) so this little suction contraption basically is supposed to like clean out all of your pores and like suck blackheads out of your pores and stuff like that and like get rid of the dead skin and and all this stuff. So you're supposed to use it like on your nose and like on the side of your nose and, you know, in this like main area, like T-zone area. So like a dumbass, I just open the box. I don't read the instructions and I just get it out and it's got three settings. So I immediately think, well... I'm putting it on the highest setting. Let's see what this bad boy has. So I put the suction on the highest setting, and I start, like, using it. Well, you're not supposed to really put it on the highest setting. I don't even know why that setting is available. But after using it for, like, maybe 60 seconds total, my face looked like I had, like, rubbed poison ivy all over it. It was so (laughs) red and splotchy, and it was that way for almost two days. Like, if you watch the the stream yesterday, you can partially see it. It wasn't, I, I kind of had some of the lights off, so it didn't show up as bad. But, uh, yeah, this thing, like, it's crazy. Like, it, it literally says in the instructions that if you leave it in one spot too long, it'll, like, bruise your face. And it doesn't even feel, that's the thing is, it doesn't even feel like it's doing anything. Like, you don't really feel a suction. So you're just, like, doing this thing, and, like, it's just, like, no big deal. And you're like, there's, you know, is this thing even working? And then you get done, and all of a sudden, like, your face is bright red, and anywhere you didn't, like, use it is white, so it's just, like, super splotchy. It, it, it looked crazy. I look like a crazy person. Does it splotchy. work, though? I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, that's
1: good. Yeah. Hey, so. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make you feel better. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. I thought real quick. So, like, it was my freshman year of high school, I'm pretty sure, and it was, it was like, a, I don't know, a holiday. Maybe it was MLK Day or... Sunday I don't remember but we had a, uh, a suction wine like a, a wine opener but it was a suction that would you know suction to the, the cork and just pop it out and I was bored for whatever reason and I uh, decided to just like start suctioning my arm with it I don't know because <laughs> I was like 14 and I was bored so I'm like oh this is fun like it, like I don't know so I uh, eventually make it to like doing it on my cheeks. In my face. And, uh, long story short, I went to school the next day with, like, 20 hickeys all over my face from this, like, <laughs> suction, this, like, suction wine opener. <laughs> and I didn't, like, I didn't know. Like, I, I, I just never paid any attention to it, I guess. Right. Like, I was, like, 14. I don't know if I'd ever had a hickey before. So I was, like, yeah, well, It'll go away. <laughs> It's just a little mark because of the suction. It'll, it'll be, it'll go away in like an hour, 20 minutes. Oh, nope. that's brutal. The next day. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Your parents didn't like let you play hooky that day? No. No, I did not. I played hooky enough my freshman year of high school. I there don't you know go. if uh, me having these self-manufactured hickeys on my face was going to warrant me staying home.
0: Yeah there's probably a point in time where my parents would have allowed me to stay home for something like that just because I would have been like you know i'm going to get bullied if i go to school looking like this right uh but probably like you i probably used all that goodwill so uh, depending what stage of that ha- that happened in my high school career you know uh, th- they may have been like yeah no you've you've used too many days or
1: yeah. yeah yeah i had uh i had to go to court my freshman year because of uh like truancy, but it oh. was all like tardies. It, w- it wasn't even like I wasn't going to school for like a month. It was just like <laughs> I would just be late for school like <laughs> once a week, twice a week. She so had to go to
0: court? Yeah, it was so stupid. Like it you, you, you like, had to see a judge? Yeah. What the I hell did the think, judge
1: say to you? I don't remember. I, I don't think anything ever came of it. As far as I remember, I, We went. I remember going one time and speaking to a judge. With my dad and my, so the only reason I was tardy all the time is because the school that I went to, they, they contracted a third party to drive the school buses and they were just like, it was very inconsistent on when they showed up. So like one day they'd show up at seven thirty, and the next day they'd show up at eight ten, <laughs> And so there was just a lot of times where I would miss the bus or I would yeah. stand out there for 30 minutes. Like, well, I guess I missed it. I go home and then it shows up. But anyways, school didn't care. I went up going to court. So, yeah, some hickeys on my face was not going to uh, get me to stay home if I was out at the bus and the bus showed up.
0: It was <laughs> like that's a that's such a serious problem that you have to go to court for truancy at yeah. school.
1: Yes, it, it, it's not like I wasn't trying to go to school. The school bus just didn't show up half the time. <laughs>
0: Dude, the more I learn about you, the more, like, the whole package makes sense. Makes sense, right? (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, um, I feel like your bus driver was, uh, Chris Farley in, in Billy Madison.
1: Yes, pretty much. Yeah. But it was, like, a, a rotating, like, cycle of, like, who, like, there was a different bus driver every week.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Nice. I remember one time, uh, she tried to back up in the road and got stuck like the Austin Powers scene when he's in the, uh, the golf cart. Oh yeah. The oh yeah. Did that Yeah. That happened with the school bus. It was a whole disaster.
0: Oh, brutal. I remember our school bus died one day. Like it just stopped running and, uh, they ended up like sending, we just sat there forever and then they just ended up sending another bus and we just got in the other bus and went to school. Yeah. But yeah that's, Been there. Yeah. That's it. Nothing, nothing too wild as far as the bus experience. Well, we did, uh, I did ride a bus at one point where, uh, like for some reason, I think the driver was, uh, like friends somehow with two of the kids that rode the bus. Okay. That's, which is super weird. Sketchy. So they would like the two and they were the oldest two kids that, uh, that rode the bus. They were like high schoolers, I think. And like, I might've been in fifth grade at this point but they would sit in the front two seats. And so as soon as you as soon as anybody would get on, they would push you back and forth between the first two seats like a pinball. And they did that to every person that got on the bus and the driver would just sit there like laughing his ass off. He thought it was the yeah. funniest thing ever. And uh, it was like it was literally like terrifying to get on the bus because every kid like every kid that got on the bus was was a pinball between those first two seats just being pushed back and forth and yeah, it's like running the gauntlet.
1: I, I think that uh a lot of people that go to like big high schools and like grow up in like cities. Uh, that's something that they don't understand when you go to school in a small town, like everybody rides the bus at the same time, like (laughs) kindergarten through, like if you don't have a driver's license and like a senior high school, like you have everybody on one bus and it's just, yeah, you get, I look, I, I'm not going to act like I wasn't like a sophomore in high school, bullying my brother who was in like (laughs) second grade on the bus.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the things that happen on a uh, a school bus, I think, just prepare you for what the real world is going to be like, right?
1: A hundred percent. Rosie didn't never rode a school bus, um, and you can tell. Yeah. There's a you, yeah, you can tell the people that uh, walked <laughs> or parents picked them up, right, from the kids that rode the bus. Yeah,
0: parents dropped them off at the front door like five minutes right. before class starts. How nice was that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you. Uh, you. It's like the. Uh, middle-class school of hard knocks the school bus yeah for sure right home yeah well and then
0: depending on what bus you rode like we uh, there was one point where i was on a bus that like literally dropped us off like an hour and a half before school started so you just yeah.
1: fucking sit there for an hour and a half i don't i never got dropped off that early yeah. I, maybe like 30 minutes but i had to get on the bus an hour and a half yeah. before school started
0: oh just brutal absolutely brutal um yeah we would have like basketball games in the morning we just go to the gym and like play basket so yeah like when class would start at whatever time 8 30 or something sweaty and... all sweat yeah like you've already had a complete workout <laughs> you know it's uh oh, crazy well let's uh let's let's jump into the playoffs um it was a really good weekend especially su- sunday was really good
1: sunday was a lot of fun i uh Saturday kind of went how I would have expected it to go. Um, Man, I I don't know if it's, like, panicky time with Lamar Jackson or not, but, I mean, he's 1-3 in the playoffs. Like, he's – if he doesn't, you know, run for 100 yards last week, you don't look at that game uh, against Tennessee and say, wow, Lamar Jackson played amazing. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, incredible. Never expected Jared Goff or Wofford or whoever the hell LA threw out a quarterback to be able to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, Sunday. Right. Sunday was a lot of fun. I'm I'm a little scared though, because I really I just really don't want to see Chad Henney in the AFC championship no, game. Please, same. like just yeah. don't give me Chad Henney versus Josh Josh Allen. Give me Mahomes. And it seems to be trending the right way. Like he's still in concussion protocol, but it's only Wednesday. They had the late game on Sunday. So I'm hopeful. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, who would, I mean I, I don't know if it's surprising or expected that I mean I don't even know what was Tampa Bay New Orleans the best game I, I want to say it was but yeah. Drew Brees was so bad that I like in a second by the halftime I never really had any doubt that Tampa Bay was probably going to win even though the game was tied
0: yeah I don't think it. it wasn't a good game that's the thing it was it was competitive I guess like there's a difference in competitive games and good games. That was a bad game that just happened to be competitive from a scoreboard standpoint. But I think your point's valid. Like I I just, I never really felt like the saints were going to get it done with drew Brees quarterbacking. So although it was somewhat close, like I, I said this yesterday on the podcast, when that game ended, I walked away from it more like down on the saints than like, Hey, Tampa Bay won the football game or Hey, Tom Brady was really good. Like, I, I, I think for me, it was more of a Saints thing than it was a Buccaneers thing as far as the outcome yeah, I mean, and, and the way that game, you know, kind of played out.
1: It's not like Brady was amazing. He had less than 200 yards. Yeah. Like he exactly. was efficient. Like he exactly. was fine. But yeah. And so I had this thought, speaking of Drew Brees. So obviously, he wins the Super Bowl in '09. You could argue that he probably shouldn't have because Brett Favre probably shouldn't have thrown that pass at the end of that game in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, but looking back,
0: and if Peyton Manning doesn't throw the interception to Tracy Porter,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, Sean, you know, and Sean Payton, you know, who who knows if he decides not to do that onside kick? Like, the, so many things could have played in a different way. What that I mean, you could say that about any year, but right, we have a decade of Drew Brees on amazing New Orleans teams. And I know there was a stretch earlier in the decade where they weren't that good because the defense was so bad, but. For the last five years and at the beginning of the decade, those Saints teams were really good. Yeah. And year after year, it's Drew Brees and that team just not doing anything in the playoffs. Like, What is his legacy now at this point, knowing that Sunday could have been his last game, probably should have, should be his last game? Are you looking at him like one of the five best quarterbacks of all time? Are you looking at him like he's just kind of a stat sheet stuffer, a regular season quarterback that can't do anything in the playoffs?
0: Top has, five, like has, top five is a stretch for me,
1: but I, I, he has he has fewer playoff wins than Joe Flacco.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, top five is a stretch for me. I th- top ten, I think is is valid. But everything you're saying is true, and we'll, we'll get into so, some of the the stuff about Sunday's game in a second. But look, over the last five years, the Saints, I've I've picked them to win the NFC multiple times, including this year. And most they're of the sad. time, like this year, it had nothing to do with Drew Brees. They're a, they're just a good football team, and if they had a really good quarterback, I think they do win the NFC. But yeah, yeah I mean the the Minnesota Miracle stops a team that I thought was good enough to win a Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, the Rams pass interference call a couple years ago prevented a team that I thought was good enough to to win the Super Bowl from getting there. And then you know this one, like I said, I think to me it was more down on the Saints, then they just got beat by the Buccaneers. I, I felt like they shot themselves in the foot more than the Buccaneers actually just were the better team. So, I mean, you're talking about, yeah, three times where I, I really felt like they were the better team in the game they lose that eliminates them. So, And there's going to be people that say, oh, that was
1: bad luck. Drew Brees wasn't on the field for, for the miracle of Minneapolis. He wasn't on the field for the past... Well, yeah, okay, true. But the fact that those games were decided by one point or like, it's just... I I don't know. I think he's good. I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I look back on his career and I just don't think he's in that tier. I don't think he's in those, like the top two tiers of all time quarterbacks. I think he's in that third tier. He just was fortunate enough to play in an era where quarterbacks put up huge numbers. Yeah. No, I I, I think
0: part of that is fair. I I, I do think Drew Brees, like I said, is a top 10 guy. Um, He does have a Super Bowl. They're not easy to win. So, uh, like, It, uh, part of me is like he only won one Super Bowl. Like, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, so, you know, it's it, not even the
1: Super Bowl for me, though. It's the yeah, playoff wins. They yeah. Nine playoff wins in what, 18 years? Well, yeah.
0: I think it's the most egregious thing is the fact that they never got back.
1: Like, yeah. they never got they back should've. to
0: the Super Bowl. Like, even if you don't win it, like, just, yeah, you know, to your point, I think it's just about postseason success in general. Yeah, they they just never they never got back on on a bunch of really good teams that that certainly had a chance. It's not as though I mean there are some quarterbacks that never really are on a team that's good enough in in every area to get to that point. And I, I think with Drew Brees, he's been on multiple teams that I felt like were good enough to win the NFC, if not the Super Bowl, and they've fallen short.
1: I mean, Patrick Mahomes already has what, six playoff wins?
0: I don't even know the number, but that sounds right. It,
1: it, it's got to be five or six yeah. compared to Drew Brees is nine. Yeah, and that that includes a Super Bowl run. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would take Patrick Mahomes today over 100%. Drew Brees at I his mean, peak. I just, yeah, there's no no comparison there. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Joe Flacco has more playoff. That's crazy.
1: Nine playoff wins is like he. I, yeah. It's it's like a damning thing for me as far as like the way that I look at Drew Brees' career, like if the way we measure playoffs and quarterbacks and like the you know the the be end all be all with the quarterback is are you winning games in the playoffs and yeah he just he never did
0: yeah or I mean even you know I I think it's always fair to look beyond just winning games because there's more to any game than just the offense obviously sure. Um, you know, a lot like Deshaun Watson this year as well. Sometimes you're on teams that just aren't good enough, no matter how good you are. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that also plays into it. But I, you know, again, I think with Drew Brees, he's been on Super Bowl caliber teams. A lot. A yeah. lot. Yeah. Like I, the, the post-season record should be considerably better than it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I if he's not, I don't know how he wouldn't be done though. Like, in what world is Drew Brees still a starting quarterback in the NFL?
1: I mean, there was – I mean, I remember the Monday night game when they played the Raiders. There was national conversation amongst, like, NFL media people and, like, people that know football that, like, Drew Brees should retire. Yeah. Like, he's done. You could see it in his face. Like, he just looked completely defeated. Like, he knew his arm was gone. And, like, he put up decent numbers this year. But, I mean, I, I don't really yeah. put a lot of stock in that because watch any Saints game where Drew Brees is starting and it's just it's not the same. Thank God for Alvin Kamara.
0: Yeah, it was obviously a completely different offense.
1: Yeah. And, and I think
0: that I, my biggest criticism of the Saints on Sunday was the fact that Drew Brees finished the game. I mean yeah, if I if you want to tell me that like Drew Brees is knows the offense and, and it's a close game, so you don't want to, you know, push it to the point that you're putting in a different guy that may commit some turnovers, like, okay, I I I can I can understand that argument at least. But when Drew Brees was already turning the ball over And he didn't have the ability to throw the ball down the field. Like, if nothing else, with five minutes left, when they had the ball down by two possessions, how do you not make that move? Like, they basically... Sean Payton chose Drew Brees' legacy over giving his team a chance to win in the fourth quarter when they were down by multiple possessions and you had to start throwing the ball down the field. I mean, Jameis Winston was clearly
1: the better option. Drew Brees Brees was averaging less than four yards and attempt in this game. Yeah, And... I agree with you, and the fact that like those the cameras caught Drew Brees telling Jameis Winston, like this is your team now, or here are the keys, your, the keys are yours now, or whatever he said. Yeah, that tells me that there's been conversation in house that next year Jameis Winston is the dude. At least right now, that's the plan. So why not at halftime, if you know Jameis is going to be your guy next year, give him a shot? Just like you said, knowing that Drew Brees was so bad this game, and that it's not like Tampa Bay's offense was amazing. Like you clearly were in the game the entire time. Like James could have made a difference. And I know it was like, you know, a trick play reverse pass or whatever, but like he made really the only good offensive play. They had all game. 100%. Yeah. I thought that Sean Payton, I I think just as much as Drew Brees cost them the game, Sean Payton did as well by being for some reason. Oh, oh, too loyal to Drew Brees. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: They should have, to your point, I think they should have made the move sometime in the second half. But if, if for no other reason than you need somebody to throw the ball down the field with five or six minutes left because you're down by two possessions, like I don't, I don't know how at that point in the game you could reasonably make the argument that Drew Brees gives you the best chance to win, even if Jameis turns it over. Like, okay, you that's that's what the other guy was doing already. Jameis can stretch the field; he has a bigger arm. You had to score twice. In six minutes, to win that game, like the, Drew Brees wasn't going to get to get it done. He wasn't going to throw the ball down the field. There was just, there was point zero 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 one percent chance that they were going to come back with Drew Brees quarterbacking that team. And look, maybe the percentage is two percent with Jameis Winston. All I know is it's a better percentage chance that you come back if Jameis Winston's in the game, simply because he has the ability to throw the ball vertically.
1: Drew Brees, by the way, in his last uh, five playoff games, only threw for 300 yards one time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
0: for, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, for again, sure. I, I like when you consider he has won a Super Bowl and the just statistical accomplishments, he's going to go down as one of the greatest. I, I wouldn't put him in the top five. Um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a separator from guys like you know, even guys playing today, Aaron Rodgers to me is in a, a, a tier above Drew Brees uh, and Tom so Brady, too. Joe Montana, John Elway, I think certainly are in a tier above Drew Brees. So uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I would be, I don't know how he would come back this year and, and you know, the, the shots of him kind of passing the baton to Jameis, like you mentioned, uh, and who's going to, who, who's going to bring Drew Brees? I mean, I, I guess if, like, a team just wants him to mentor a young guy, it would make sense. But if you, like, actually want quarterback production from that spot, I I don't really think there's a spot for Drew Brees in the NFL. Uh,
1: I think it would be incredibly selfish for Drew Brees to come back next year. Like, he's only going to be a detriment to a team unless he's okay being a backup.
0: Well, or, it's like I said, it's a situation where, like, I don't know the Jets draft, you know Zach yeah, Wilson, and you just want like Drew Brees to kind of mentor him for a season. Like, like that's the only scenario that I think it actually yeah. is is worth a damn. Otherwise, like, what's the point? He he can't throw the football. Yeah. I mean, what what were Michael Thomas numbers this year? I know he didn't play a lot.
1: Not good. I mean, he he apparently was hurt. Like he's having he like is having surgery. Uh, like yesterday or like immediately after the game. Be. A, because he played hurt the entire season. Yeah, he played, he, didn't he want only to played seven out. games. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't want to sit out because of and potentially Drew Brees' last game. But yeah, Michael Thomas is a uh, he's an interesting study now, though, because you know was he not good this year because he was hurt the entire time, or was he not good because Drew Brees wasn't good?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, he 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 only played seven games, so that obviously plays a big role. But when he was out there, I mean, I think it's... And, and look, he's also somewhat, I think, somewhat viewed as a, a pain in the ass off the field to a degree. Wait, so, he
1: punches a teammate in the yeah, yeah um, I would say so.
0: But yeah, it's, Drew Brees couldn't get him the ball. Yeah. Like, I, there's a reason why Michael Thomas went from being considered arguably the best receiver in the NFL to what he was, and to see the... the like massive step forward that Alvin Kamara took this year. Yeah.
1: Thank God that they re-signed Alvin Kamara because he was walking in free agency this year. The Saints team would uh, be dark days on offense next year.
0: How how, how much of a chance did you think there was for the Browns to win that game on Sunday?
1: I thought they should have won the game. I thought it was a – they completely let it slip out of their hands. The fact that – when did Mahomes go out in the third quarter –
0: uh, yeah, I, th- I believe so. Either either late third, early fourth.
1: They, I mean, they had they had a chance. They had multiple, a couple of chances down one score in the fourth quarter, and they they couldn't get it done. Um, I mean, you, you could go back to the first quarter, and was it Rashard Higgins that fumbled into the end zone, and that's a complete, you know, just mental error. I mean, even Kevin Stavansky said that, like, they have a strict rule in that building that you do not reach out for the end zone because that's exactly what happens. Yeah, The ball gets punched out and it goes in the end zone and it's turnover to the other team and you just wasted a potential touchdown because, especially when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right, to bounce to the two-yard right. line and let those dudes just pound it in. I thought that Cleveland had an amazing season, you know, to beat Baltimore in the wild – to beat Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh me, yeah. to beat Pittsburgh in the in the wild card round to beat their rivals, like that was a huge win. And then they played Kansas City well, like this, even despite you know Mahomes going out, the fact they held Kansas City to twenty two points, like this was a big you know big game for them and nothing to hang their heads on. Especially if you're a Browns fan or player or whatever. But like I felt like they should have won the game. If Chad is in the quarterback, you, you need to go score. Yeah.
0: No question. Um, you know, there were, there were some, uh, you mentioned the the fumble into the end zone. There were some drop passes in that game by Browns receivers. And then look, I thought the final, uh, the final drive that they had, like the play calling was just really weird. Like it, it just, I don't know. It didn't feel like it felt like they felt like they were going to have multiple opportunities. Like it didn't feel like that last time they had the ball, it was called with much urgency.
1: Right. And I mean, that's, you know, that's on the coaching staff. We're not putting a little bit more stock into the weapons that Kansas City had. Just thinking that just because Pat Mahomes is in there, that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey aren't still Tyreek <laughs> right. Hill and Travis Kelsey, which kind of plays double advocate to my point that Chad Henney was in there. They should have won, but still, Chad Henney was in there. They should have won that game down five points. Yeah, yeah. It- I thought it was. I thought for sure when Mahomes went out and he was ruled out for the rest of the game, it was like, Cleveland's going to win this game because there's no way Kansas City is going to be able to score – in well, I didn't think they'd the score record. again,
0: yeah. I just... Right. It, it, was, it was a question of whether or not the Browns would just be able to score enough to to take the lead. And look, after the okay. Chad Henney interception, I I thought it was game over. I thought the Browns were going to win. Same. Well, that was... Like, after... I. It's mind-blowing to me that after he threw that interception, which was atrocious, right? There wasn't even a, a receiver close. I mean, he overthrew that ball by like 10 or 15 yards, I feel like. I i don't know. I i should probably watch it again. It's probably closer than that. But it just felt like Carl Joseph was like catching a punt in the end zone. I mean, there was just no – I didn't feel like there was anybody close to it. And, and for them to go into the, the game-winning drive and still allowing Chad Henney to throw the football I thought was like – How is this guy – how are you, like, putting your season on the line with this guy putting the ball in the air?
1: And, and look, Cleveland's – like, Cleveland did good things in this game. The fact that they held Kansas City to, what, three field goals? Yeah. In, in, like, red zone area, like, situations. Fantastic job. And one of them was at the end of the half. So, who knows if, you know, it wasn't going into halftime with two seconds. Like, maybe Kansas City scores a touchdown. They have a little bit more time. But they still – low. They, they held them to a field goal in three scenarios, which nineteen to three at halftime. Like that's that's not great. Like you're still down sixteen, but it could have been a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse, you know, deficits like, to this Kansas City team. Uh, especially considering, I mean, I don't. I mean, I didn't watch this game at any point say that Kansas City's offense was like bad or struggling. Like they yeah. were playing pretty well, but like the Browns' defense stepped up. But four field uh, goal attempts field in this goal. game
0: for Kansas City. Yeah, like. It's the best offense in the NFL. If you if you hold any, if you hold an offense that, that has that many weapons, that can beat you in that many ways to four field goal attempts, that's a win in my book. Because you're not 100%. you're not going to stop them. Like it's bottom line, you're just not going to stop them. So if you're if you're forcing field goal attempts, that on its own is a huge win. And then they missed one as well. So yeah, they that offense. I mean, it's it. it Obviously, Mahomes has a chance to be the greatest to ever do it. I mean, when you consider just what he's already accomplished, how young in his career he, he is, and uh, what the future looks like if, if he is to stay healthy. Like, he's going to have a chance to be in that conversation when it's all said and done. And I think just at his peak already, he's as good as we've ever seen in the NFL. But w- even taking him out of the equation, like, look at the weapons they have. Like, Tyree Kill's the fastest player in the NFL. Nobody can cover him one-on-one. There. Travis Kelsey, and, and they have other speedsters as well. It's not just Tyreek Hill, but they have the ability to stretch you vertically. Travis Kelsey is such a precise route runner that it, that it's really difficult to cover him in man. He's so smart that he always finds the soft spots in zone defenses. Their screen game is as good as, as I've ever seen in the NFL. And look, Andy Reid's always been great in the screen game, right? Even going back to Philadelphia, like... They take away your aggressiveness with how good and creative they are with the screen game. And then, on top of all that, you add Patrick Mahomes back into the mix and his ability to literally throw the ball to any quadrant of the field from any angle on the field, and the fact that he can be mobile if you need him to be. Like, yeah, you considering all that, if you hold them to a field goal on any given drive, I think it's a win.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I think there's a conversation. Speaking of Andy Reid, I think there's a conversation of him being, like, on the Mount Rushmore of, like, greatest offensive coaches in NFL history. I mean, when you look at the talent that he had in Philadelphia, he had McNabb and Brian Westbrook, but they're throwing the ball to Hank Basket and, like, pick – name another – like, name Eagles receivers from the Andy Reid era other other than Terrell Owens. It's not easy. Like Like Greg Lewis. um, Freddie Mitchell. Freddie Mitchell, yeah. Like, there's not a lot of names there. Yeah. And then he goes to Kansas City, and he's got the weapons – and wins a lot of games with Alex Smith at quarterback. And then he finally well, they, they gets... They went to, like, what, five
0: in. straight NFC championships? Yeah. With Donovan, Donovan McNabb and then, like, a bunch of dudes? Like,
1: And then he, one year they get Terrell Owens, they go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, now in Kansas City, he's got the quarterback and the weapons to pair together. And look what he's doing. Like, they're unstoppable. He's already won a Super Bowl. Uh, he was an overtime away from going to a Super Bowl. I would have... I, if Mahomes plays on Sunday, my money is on Kansas City yep. to go back to the Super Bowl. Like, I think he's up there with, like, he's not as innovative. Like, he's, he, he's great at evolving. He's not necessarily, like, the innovator that created. He didn't, like, create an offense, like, like, you know, like Bill Walsh did or anything like that. But I think he's up there. Like, two decades of consistently, like, evolving and having amazing offenses, I think there's a conversation there.
0: I mean, if they win the toss in overtime two years ago, I think we're talking about them going for their third straight Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I would I would say so. It's not like New England was slowing down Mahomes that game either.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, it was literally like whoever wins the toss is probably going to win the game, and
1: yeah. right Mahomes
0: out. didn't get his opportunity, and we all talked about it for like two weeks after that, how that needs to be a rule change. Uh, a lot like the fumble into the end zone. Is that a bad rule? Where are you at on this? Because look, I-, I know a lot of people in Oklahoma are Baker Mayfield fans, therefore they're Cleveland Brown fans. So when that happened, I think a lot of people were like, it's the worst rule in sports. It's got to be changed. How do you feel about it?
1: It's not really a rule that I ever think about. Like, just don't reach out for the end zone. It's, like, it's yeah. like you're reaching out for the You're diving and reaching out for the pylon. It's a 50-50 play. Either you get in or the ball gets knocked out and it's a touchback. I mean, obviously, there's some variants in there. Like, yeah. you could just go out of bounds. But, like, worst case scenario, it gets knocked out and goes to the end zone. Best case scenario, you score a touchdown. I think it's just – it's one of those plays where it's just a it's a calculated risk I guess depending on the situation. But the rule doesn't bother me. I mean just it's completely avoidable. Yeah. It's in the player's hands.
0: Yeah, I, I think people just have a problem with like rewarding the defense for not recovering a fumble. Like why why should the defense be rewarded if they don't recover the loose ball?
1: Well, but the uh, counterpoint, the offensive player should be Punished for fumbling the ball. Right. Like if you're going to, my,
0: my point is, if you're going to do that, then I think you have to change the rule on the other side of the field too. Cause if, if you fumble it backward and it goes through the end zone, like it's obviously not just getting the ball back at the point that you fumbled. So, you know, it it goes both ways. Like you have to look at both, both sides of the field and make that determination. But I I heard this idea thrown out on Twitter on, uh, on Sunday. And I think it's really interesting. So I want to get your take. What if, what if it's just, the, like, basically viewed as a touchback for the offense, though, where, like, say you have it on the one, you fumble into the end zone, it goes out of bounds. Instead of losing possession, what if you just have to go back to the 20, like a touchback, and, and it's just a loss of downs? So, just for example, it's first and five. It's first and goal from the five. You're running to the corner. You fumble at the one. It goes in the end zone, rolls out of bounds. So, the, the idea behind this would be, you get the ball back at the twenty. So now it's second, second down and goal from the twenty. Uh, that's,
1: I mean, uh, you, I wasn't into it until you said it was second and goal from the twenty. Now I'm kind of yeah. Now you, yeah, you piqued my interest yeah. because you don't, re, you don't reset
0: the the down and the, distance. You're driving you okay. Don't lose possession if the defense doesn't end up with the football. So, so
1: okay. it's still a significant
0: not... penalty to do that, but. You know, again, you're not rewarding the defense.
1: I'm not opposed to it. I think maybe the fifty might be a little bit better, uh, just because the with offense a new down and no, distance. Can. No, you say we'll go second and goal. Oh, second and goal from the fifty. From the fifty, because the twenty, the offense has no chance. Defense just goes in prevent the offense. At best case scenario, it's a hail mary, or they you know get some like they get thirty yards on some underpasses. Like it's just, it, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be a fair playing field for them. And then if the downs reset from the 20, then that's a huge disadvantage for the defense, in my opinion, because they're just going to stay on the field longer, potentially. I well, think, no, no, I think, no. Not,
0: not like the opposite 20. You're only going back 20 yards. Like, oh, so you're going okay. back to, yeah, you're not going back to your own 20. Oh. You're still in the red zone. You're just, yeah. So okay. it's first and tw- okay. like, it'd be second and 20, basically. From
1: the from the red zone, from the start of the red zone. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah I guess. I don't, <laughs> you, why, why yeah you, you just, thought like uh, you thought I meant like you have to go like, eighty yards now on yeah. yeah no 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 like, no, 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 there's no no chance there's always no. No gonna work uh how about just a safety how about it's just a safety for the the offense so you get well
0: again would you lose possession though like that's yeah, what I think people have a big issue with is rewarding the defense with possession sure. when you, they didn't really get possession
1: I mean if you want to keep I, I don't know like Maybe it's a safety, but the offense gets the kick and it's just like a defense gets two points and then the offense gets the ball. But I don't I don't really have an issue with the rule. Yeah. Simply for the fact it's not like it's not a referee enforced thing. It's not a judgment call. Right. Either happens or it doesn't happen. And it's completely avoidable if the player doesn't reach out for the end zone and fumble the ball.
0: Agreed. No, I get that. I, I I don't like rewarding the defense, though. For, for
1: letting them get one yard from the end zone and then not recover. Well, a yeah, for not
0: if you didn't recover it, if you didn't gain possession, yeah. then why does your team get possession? Like, I don't like that part of it.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a weird rule because if you fumble the ball and it bounces at thirty, the offense keeps the ball at right. thirty. Right.
0: Right. Like, like if, the, if the defense doesn't recover it at any other point on the field, then like it, you know, they don't get it. So, like, why would they get it at that point? Uh, yeah, maybe go back to the twenty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, I I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's why not. it's uh, if you're not if you're not resetting the downs and you're not going back to your own 20. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, maybe it's a loss of downs. I don't like, I don't
0: know. Yeah. Loss of down. Like, so if it, again, let's just say it's like second and goal from the two and that happens, then it would be third and goal. And you just go back to the 20. So it's third and 20, you know, you have to score to or you kick a fit. Like, I don't know. I I feel like that is, it's punishing enough for the offense, but also like, it doesn't just give the defense a, a freebie for not doing anything.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with it. Like it's, it, it'll make it. It's more fun. It's more entertaining than just you know, going to the 20 yard line with the other team. 25. Yeah. Let yeah. the XFL try it first. The uh,
0: the fourth down play. Were you stunned when they actually snapped the ball?
1: No. You thought they were going to snap it? Andy Reed does it all the time. Why? Just because Chad Henney's in there, you think that he's not going to just, like, yeah. snap the ball? It was yeah. the easiest pass that Chad Henney's ever made in his <laughs> I, life. I know, but it's Chad Henney. Okay. what?
0: Look, like I said, I mean, after he threw that interception, I was like, there's no way they should allow him to throw the ball again in this game.
1: I I at no point, honestly, watching that that play, thought that they weren't going to snap really? the ball. Really? Because okay. it's what Andy Reid does. Andy Reid is... Balls to the wall. I'm going to hang onions every game. I don't yeah. care if it's game one or, you know, a playoff game. Like, I'm running my – it's not even – It does. it's not even a testament to his trust in Chad Hinney. It's a testament to his trust in his play calling and play design.
0: Yeah, no, I to agree To know
1: that. that he's got the fastest guy on the field, coming – just running a simple, like, you know, crossing route. And all Chad Hitting has to do is take a couple steps to his right and throw up five yards. No, I wasn't surprised at all. I, mean, I was
0: stunned. Because everything you're saying is true, but I think just considering the, it's it's a playoff game, your season's on the line, no Patrick Mahomes, you know that Chad Henney kind of looked out of sorts to a degree. like there were just so many factors for me that just thought there's no way they're actually going to snap this. And when there were five seconds left, I thought, okay, they tried to draw' them off sides now they're just gonna like take the penalty and punt or whatever. And then when the ball was snapped, I literally I'm not even kidding you. The first thing in my mind was like, "Oh my God, the center like made a mistake." Like I thought, I, I legitimately didn't think that that was uh, that was planned until he threw the ball, and then I was like, "Oh my God, it was the great one of the greatest calls I've ever seen."
1: I'd be curious to know, and maybe he spoke about this after the game if snapping the ball was the plan when they broke the huddle, or if it was a he just either from Andy Reid's headset, like with before the the, the uh, to see what the matchup was. Out, yeah, yeah, just to see how the defense lined up and then like go from there. Uh either way it worked out and like this look like, I mean that's a difference in football today. Like if you're gonna win games and you're going especially the offensive era, like you just have to be aggressive. Like Yeah. We see we, we scold Gundy for not being aggressive and, and being too timid. Uh Vrabel last week in that game against Baltimore coach way too conservative right. and timid and it cost him a game. Right. I I think it would be completely ridiculous to look at this situation if Cleveland ended up winning and say that Andy Reid should be crucified for snapping that ball right there because they've won so many games because he's coached that way. It just, I mean, eventually it's going to cost them. Well,
0: so my expectation for them not doing that is because we see people be timid in those situations so often, right? They don't want to. They don't want that gamble. They'd rather play it safe and probably play the percentages. And again, like if, if Patrick Mahomes is in there, there's no question in my mind what they're doing. They're absolutely going right. for it. So when you add the, you know, the Chad Henney factor, I, I, again, I just think that that 99% of coaches with Chad Henney as your quarterback in that situation are, are not going for it.
1: That's why Andy Reid. That's why
0: he's, yeah, that's exactly. That's so why he's great. He's Hall but of Fame coach. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't think they were going to do it. And I don't think the Browns thought they were going to do it either.
1: Now, who knows maybe it would have been a tougher to convert if Mahomes had been in there because the defense <laughs> would true. have been 99% sure they were snapping the ball. That's true.
0: I don't think the defense really thought it, it, and and again when you kind of they played it so well because it was like he was up there like he was doing a hard count and then like literally the second before they snapped it everybody kind of relaxed. Like, they were about to, like, it's, call a timeout or something. And then all of a sudden the ball snaps and they run the play. That's why I say, like, when that ball snapped, I was I was legitimately like, holy cow, the, the center made a mistake. He wasn't supposed to snap it. And maybe he heard, like, the wrong thing. And it was just design. a great play call. Great, Like, yeah. literally, if they go on to win the Super Bowl, that's going to go down as one of the greatest playoff play calls in history. And
1: look, Andy Reid, look at Andy Reid. Does that look like a man that does not like to take a gamble? Right. He's not turning. He, he's not, you know, choosing a salad over a rack of ribs. Like, yeah. he, that's a man that likes to live life on the edge. In his Hawaiian shirts. And yeah. Yeah. That man doesn't care. He he doesn't play anything safe.
0: I would, uh, I would prefer Andy Reed to go back to the, uh, the clear fogged up mask. Rizer.
1: Oh, he should. That'd be, that'd be awesome.
0: Cause like. Watching him try to like see through that thing all fogged up, just I don't know why it just think, amuses the hell out of me.
1: I think he should make Eric Beanie wear one and then just draw plays on it. Yeah, dude. Speaking. Are your Texans gonna
0: hire Eric Beanie or what's the deal?
1: I I tweeted this out the other day when the Chargers hired um, the Rams DC. And like, why is Eric Beanie not been hired yet?
0: He must be the worst interview in the history of the world. Or I. Uh, again, I don't know how many. I, I know that they, they've made like exceptions for the interviews this year and in, in, like when they can do them. So I don't know like how many interviews he's actually done. And, and I know most years you, you know, you have to kind of wait for the teams to be done before you can do that. Uh, but I, you know, they did something this year where you can, you can do these interviews ahead of time, right?
1: Well, uh, the, yeah, the Bills OC, I can't, his name's slipping my mind right now he interviewed with somebody last week. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're doing interviews. I just, I don't
0: know what the deal yeah. is. It's mind blowing to
1: me. Even if Eric Bieniemy has an interview with your team, just wait, don't make your decision before yeah. you interview the most, like the, the highest or the hottest uh, prospect coach in the NFL right now. Like we waited out a sec, waited out an extra week and then talk to Eric Bieniemy and make a decision. Like it's, are you so caught up in hiring the Rams DC that you're not going to interview Eric Biennemi Yeah, when you have a stacked offense and just think about that, like think of the things that he could do with Justin Herbert and you know, that offense potentially, like it's, yeah, it's mind boggling. And I don't think he's going to take the Houston job. I would stay at Kansas city for another year before I took the Houston job.
0: Well, especially if you don't know what happens with Deshaun Watson, if you have Deshaun Watson, I think it, you, you, I wouldn't it. take it
1: either. Anyway, uh. I would not take that job. If as long as Jack Easterby is there, I'm yeah. not taking that Houston job. If I'm Eric Enemy. if I'm somebody else, if I'm somebody else, if I'm uh, Arthur Smith or somebody or Josh, if I if I don't have the clout that I have as Eric Enemy, then maybe I take it because just to get an NFL job, because that's just what it is. It's literally just an NFL job. It's not yeah. something that you're gonna. It's not you're not gonna build anything there. You're gonna be fired in three years. Yeah, you're, you're gonna deal with Jack Easterby and. One of the worst owners in the NFL, and uh, Cal McNair, like it's just stay in Kansas City another year, win another Super Bowl, yeah. and then leave. Not like there's not going to be jobs next year. Yeah,
0: it's weird with him because you know we we've there are a lot of guys that are are obviously great football minds, but terrible head coaches, right? Like you mentioned, sure. Josh McDaniel's D- McDaniel's He's just now, him, yeah. like he wasn't a good head coach, but he clearly knows the game and is a good football mind. Eric B may, may be that same kind of guy. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not passing judgment. I, I don't even know that we I've actually know. like heard him talk in depth about anything, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, he could be a, you know, Lane Kiffin's another example of this. Like, I don't know how good of a head coach Lane Kiffin is, but clearly the guy knows football really well. Um, you know, maybe Sark is in the same category. I don't know. We'll see at Texas, but he's a guy that obviously knows football, but hasn't had a lot of good head coaching success. So, Maybe Eric Bieniemy is in that same category. I think it's worth the chance, just because when you look at his offense, and it's not just great players making great, pl- like great players making great plays. It's not just Patrick Mahomes being better than everybody else. It's some of that, but the play designs are so creative. Every time you watch Kansas we, City, like I don't know how you wouldn't want to take that. a chance on that.
1: We just talked about that play that won the, yeah. the game, and about how it was an amazing play design and like just perfectly executed, and Mahomes like. There was a report earlier this week or last week that Mahomes like personally endorsed Eric Bieniemy to Deshaun Watson yep. uh, as potentially being the Texans head coach, and maybe that's enough to get Deshaun Watson to stick it out for a year and see what happens. But if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm not too tempted to go to Houston. But I, I think that they should trade. I think they should trade Deshaun anyway. And uh, I just want to formally announce that Wherever Deshaun Watson goes, that's the new team that I root for because yeah. I just can't. I can't. Like I'm just at my wits end with this with the Texans organization and it's they're making it unbelievably difficult to root for them. I said on the
0: podcast on Monday that if they if they lose to Sean Watson, it's unforgivable. If if I was a Houston Texans yeah. fan, that would be unforgivable and I I don't know that I'd be able to recover. I don't know how do you root for a team that was that close to winning a Super Bowl just a couple years ago to see the whole thing completely torn down and then you lose a star, twenty-five-year-old quarterback
1: that signed up you long just term. Saw, yeah, you you have him like and just just a pile on top of all of the garbage quarterbacks the Texans have had before they, they got never in had a good Watson. one. Yeah, right. And then you, you finally fall in to he falls into your lap Ugh. because the Bears take Trubisky, yeah. and the Chiefs take Mahomes. I mean, obviously, I'd rather have Mahomes, but like because the Bears are stupid and took they traded up to trade Trubisky. Watson fell in your lap at twelve. And within four years, you're just gonna completely destroy it because you pick Jack Easterby over Deshaun Watson. Yep. It, hell, if J.J. Watt is moments away from burning the building down, you know things are bad. Right.
0: I would. Uh, I, I think we said we talked about this last week. If you give me my pick of quarterbacks in the NFL for the next ten years. It's Mahomes one to Sean Watson two. Yeah, I guess. he's only
1: twenty five. He's like, twenty five. He feels a yeah. he feels a lot older because he was at Clemson forever, right? And then he's been in the NFL for like five years. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's not. He's only
0: twenty five. Yeah, Baker's twenty five. Right, Josh Allen's twenty
1: five. Yeah. Just wasted. It's, it's- it, like it's. Beyond frustration. I will be a Jets fan Ooh. if Deshaun Watson goes there before I root for the Texans
0: again. That's like the one spot that I just, I, I really don't want to see Deshaun Watson go to. Oh, trust me, I
1: don't want to be a Jets fan. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind. I'm really rooting for the Panthers uh, when their name okay. pops up. I'm yeah. like, okay, I could, I could be a Panthers fan. Like, I don't feel douchey being a Panthers yeah. fan, and like they're pretty fun. They, you know, I like, I like, uh, I like what they got going on there.
0: Speaking of the Bears, that's that's who should just go all in
1: on deshaun watson yeah i'll be a i'll be a bears fan too good uniforms yeah great uh you know tradition you know good fans like it's yeah sign me up
0: yeah he can uh try and try and do what uh, rex grossman did get them back to the super
1: bowl another team that never has a good quarterback know, i'm sure ever, they'll screw it up in three years Never oh Man, the it's, best quarterback they've the best quarterback they've ever had wasn't even like like he was good, but like I don't I don't think anybody considers Jim McMahon like like yeah. like an elite quarterback. No. Like they didn't win the Super Bowl because of him.
0: Yeah, they had the best one of the best defenses in NFL history. Right. It's Trent Dilfer. I mean, he was a little better than Trent Dilfer, but uh, well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, like you could probably make the argument that Jay Cutler. It's the Best quarterback, is the best quarterback, quarterback they've ever had.
1: That's it, and that's not that's bad. That's not good, that's
0: really. Not good. good. That's not a good, good situation to be in, yeah. For a
1: team that's been around 100
0: years, yeah. I'm pretty stoked that we have uh Rodgers Brady this weekend, and then obviously, I think the whole football world is going to be devastated if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play. But if we get Rodgers Brady, Mahomes Allen, like almost no matter what Super Bowl matchup you get, like there's going to be intrigue but I I, I'm still fingers crossed we get you know Rodgers Mahomes in a Super Bowl matchup
1: I think that if you ask me to rank quarterbacks in the history of the NFL by just like pure talent and ability I would probably have Rodgers and Mahomes 1A and 1B I I don't think there's any other quarterbacks in the history of the game that can do the things that they do and the fact that Rodgers is 35 or 36 and still I, I, it doesn't seem like his arm strength has deteriorated at all from the time he entered the NFL to now. Like his, maybe last year, or last couple of years, and you could say that his arm strength had dipped, but this year, like he looks like yeah. 2010 Aaron Rodgers. Uh, to me. How
0: so, how have they only been to one Super Bowl?
1: Mike McCarthy Ugh. just abs- putting no effort into building anything around Aaron Rodgers and getting him any help. Uh, I would say that definitely plays a big part. Uh, but I, I agree. I think it's the same thing as Drew Brees. Like, they, the Packers have had good teams in the past 10 years. The fact that they've only made it to one Super Bowl is kind of a, you know, I mean, yeah. it's a, kind of a detriment to, I don't even know if I want to say Aaron Rodgers. Because I, I, looking back, I don't remember Aaron Rodgers being, like, bad in any playoff games. No, that they no. Lost. It's, yeah.
0: you know, unlike the Breeze situation, both guys have only been to one. Um, But unlike the Breeze situation, I feel like, the Packers are always in that situation because Rodgers, where with breeze, I feel like they've had really good teams. So yeah, I, I don't I know. Really I like mean, they, you know, the Packers have had some, some better teams than others, but I, I've never felt like the Packers, like from top to bottom, were as, as good as like the saints teams. It's just been Aaron Rodgers being, you know, uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time.
1: Yeah. He does have a, uh, he has three more playoff wins than Drew Brees, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Take that for what it is. Yeah.
0: Crazy, though. One Super Bowl appearance for Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah. He did have some – I'm looking at his playoff games. He has had some duds. The uh, Seattle game in 2015 were uh, the huge comeback game that uh, took Seattle to the Super Bowl against New England the second time. San Francisco the year before, he was really bad. But generally speaking, like, he's, I'm looking at his – he's uh, – Sixty-five percent completion percentage, three couple touchdowns, 3 you're like he's yeah. consistently good in the playoff game. So yeah, I think it's I think it was Mike McCarthy, and I don't think it's a coincidence that when Mike McCarthy leaves, they win twenty six games in two years.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm get Mike McCarthy out of Dallas.
1: Should have never had been there in the first place. Yeah. I told you when it happened, it was a stupid hire. Yeah.
0: you. I mean, you were right. I was willing to give it a chance simply because, I mean, you were talking about a you know a guy that had obviously coached at this level for a long time and an offense that, that was just loaded with weapons. Uh, and, you know, again, just complete catastrophe. Did you see that Kellen Moore is uh, interviewing it, for the Eagles job?
1: I mean, by all means. Uh, if the NFC East just wants to take – dallas is like scrappy please, coaches I, please take it by all means yes
0: i don't know I'm how blessed. anybody could look at the dallas offense and be like yes we want the guy calling plays for that team if and i if, don't even
1: understand like I think philadelphia, philadelphia's a I, pretty I would, good job
0: i would trade like a draft pick to philadelphia for them to take Kellen Moore.
1: like i i think it's a pretty decent job like it if Carson Wentz can get back to what he was, and by, uh, you would assume that because Peterson's out that he might stick around now?
0: I mean, I know, you I can win in that division, take the,
1: obviously. For sure. I would take that job in a second before I even considered taking the Houston job, even if Deshaun Watson stays. Oh, because if Deshaun up. Watson stays, then that means you have no draft capital. You have no nothing in the draft to do. Like you just, It's either you lose your franchise quarterback in Houston or you have no draft picks. So... I Yeah, give me Philadelphia. And the fact that they're interviewing Kellen, like, what is Their offense wasn't good this year. And I know that Dak got hurt, but even when Andy came in, like, I felt like they should have been better. Well, the funny thing is,
0: and I get this a lot from Cowboy fans, Cowboy fans think that the offense was good when Dak was there this year. And, like, the numbers were really good when the game was over, but the offense would do nothing for, like, three quarters and then going yeah. into the fourth, it would be like 35 to 13. And then all of a sudden, the other team would, you know, start rushing three, putting a bunch of guys, you know, eight back. And then Dallas would just go up the field like three or four times and pad stats and end up making the game, you know, one possession loss. And then, you know, at the end of it, it's like, oh, look at the offense. Dak had 400 yards and, you know, they, they only lost by a touchdown. Well, if you really understand what's happening... They were When the game was, was really competitive, they weren't doing anything. And when the other team decided, hey, we're up by three scores, we're going to go into pre mode, that's the only time they were able to move the football. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I get in this argument all the time with Cowboy fans about how good the offense was when Dak was there this year. And the numbers were good, but that's not really representative of what the offense was because they struggled every single week.
1: Part of my uh, conspiracy theorist uh, brain... Is wondering if Jerry Jones is just keeping Mike McCarthy around until he can convince Lincoln Riley to go to the NFL. I think that too. <laughs> Which I mean, there's he has to know they're not gonna win with Mike McCarthy. Ugh. Mike McCarthy had arguably like again, arguably one of the two most talented quarterbacks in the history of football. Yeah. He made it to one Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's bad uh and and look, I mean, I don't know how you just how how do you recover when the reports halfway through this season were that he had already lost the locker room halfway I think it was like week three it might yeah, it might have been week three it, it fe- like week i mean week three you're probably yeah, right it's uh it's yeah. I, what have it's just been such a stupid season. I don't even remember he, the timeline, but like
1: that's not something w-
0: that you get back like, This is the
1: same guy in Green Bay that would choose a massage in his office over going to like team meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it,
0: yeah.
1: Well, and obviously, like,
0: there was this idea that he was going to come in with new offensive philosophy. Offense was the exact same. They didn't change <laughs> they anything. Now, now again, I know, I know, yeah, I, I know COVID plays a role in not having, like, a traditional buildup to the season. But the offense was the exact same. Nothing was different about it. And then he brought in a defensive coordinator that was a complete disaster, and the defense was all time bad. So
1: What what about Mike McCarthy's offensive like philosophy? Would you want in 2020 when you've got like Dallas is stacked with weapons on yeah. offense? You need a you need a guy like Eric Bienem. You need somebody that has proven that he can like win in modern football in twenty twenty. And not Mike McCarthy, who won 10 years ago. Like, the game has changed so much in 10 Absolutely. years. Absolutely.
0: And for as much as people talk about Kellen Moore being like cutting edge, Kellen Moore's in the same category. Like, Kellen Moore didn't do anything creative either. Right. Dallas is so predictable with their play calls. They have, like, one thing that frustrates me, like, I'll watch the Cowboys play, like, the noon game, and then Kansas City will get, like, the 3.30 and and something just as simple as like pre snap movement, how much Kansas City uses that, and you ne- like just one of those things. you Dal- you never see with Dallas, and it's- I mean, that is,
1: Ugh. that's a that's a staple of modern of football today, right? Yeah, I mean, pre snap movement, right? Movement. You have to have pre snap right. movement because
0: yeah, you know, which I mean,
1: it's, just, it's stupid. Yeah, I better
0: <laughs> better Dallas Cowboy fan over here. Well, so
1: hopefully, Philadelphia will continue to be terrible. Yeah, in their decision making. I was so. asked
0: um, two days ago if if I would trade Dak Prescott for Deshaun Watson. Yes, and the answer is obviously yes. Uh, what? But like it, it's funny because again, I think with Cowboy fans, people either think Dak is like one the of God. The, one or two best in the league, or that he's terrible. Like, there's no, I don't, I don't know if there's any in between on Dak Prescott. Like, he's either just terrible, and well, you, you need died. to find somebody else, or he's the Messiah. So, well,
1: it's a lot of people watching the fourth. I think he's really good. Like, I think Dak is... I, do, I think he's a top sure, 10 quarterback. I agree. Top 10. But I think those people that think he's like one or two are probably just watching the fourth quarter yeah. or just looking at the box score and seeing he get 400 yards right. and five touchdowns and saying, oh, this dude's got to... I mean, Aaron Rodgers ain't doing this. Tom yeah. Brady ain't doing this.
0: He's a top 10 quarterback. I just don't think he's on the top tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, he's absolutely so, a tier below, like, obviously Mahomes and Rogers and and Watson. Yeah.
1: I mean he's got to win and I think that there's some argument that the it, he, the coaching is not helping him reach that next tier but Yeah. I honestly
0: I I see I see a lot of uh similarities in Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. The biggest difference right now I think is how robotic the Cowboys offense is versus, you know, Buffalo just kind of like green lighting Josh Allen to be a playmaker.
1: Yeah. Hey, they uh, and, and like I we talked about Josh Allen last week, like, there needs to be like a big time shout out for just the amount of effort that Josh Allen obviously puts in because he's gotten so much better just year to year. Yeah, like, there were significant improvements from year one to year two, year two to year three, and then obviously now this year, like, MVP candidate, like, he's not going to win it, but I wouldn't, I would guess he's probably gonna finish in the top three or top four MVP voting. Absolutely. Like their offense is great, like front office has a plan to build around Josh Allen going out and getting Stefan Diggs. You could argue that that was the best move of the offseason to bring in Stefan Diggs because he's just he's unstoppable. Like he's given, you know, him a go to guy and it's great. Like I'm excited. God, I cannot say how much I hope that Mahomes clears concussion protocol yeah. because there, there's so many like to see one matchup of like the future of the NFL, and then another of like Hall first ballot Hall of Famers yeah. like going at it like who's the goat? Performing. Like the, I, I've seen multiple
0: yeah. like website headlines that's like Sunday is is uh, the goat matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean it's I I couldn't have asked for better championship matchups than uh than what we got. So thank God the NFL actually played out this time. If, we don't have to watch the Rams and oh, Saints. Yeah. If
0: Mahomes plays, are you are you Packers Chiefs?
1: Yeah, I mean I assume, yeah, yeah. You, it's like Aaron Rodgers was like whatever that version of quarterbacking is 1.0, and then Patrick Mahomes is like the evolution of that. And they're so like I think the way they play is so fun and carefree and similar that like why yeah give me yeah. that Super Bowl matchup all day. I had to watch Mahomes play Garoppolo last year. <laughs> like I give me my dream quarterback matchup. Yeah, please.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, All right, before we uh, get out of here, we got to talk about the James Harden situation. Um, First of all, I think Houston got a haul. And if you were going to trade James Harden, I think they they hit a home run in terms of what they got back. I don't think you could have done any better than they did. Um, So your thoughts on that. But secondly, I think tonight is actually going to be our first uh, KD, Harden, Kyrie game where they all play together. So thoughts on just the, the Nets situation.
1: Uh, so I'll start with the trade. I think obviously it has to play out. And, you know, hindsight will tell everything, but I, this could go down as one of the best trades in NBA history, a four team trade where no teams come out bad. Yeah. Like every team came out probably a little better than what they went in. I think that, I mean, if the Nets don't win the championship this year, it's kind of a bust. It'll be a
0: massive disaster for Brooklyn side of it. Yeah, if they don't get a championship yeah. out of this, but yes.
1: And if you told me that, and tonight's going to be interesting because I think that if it was just Harden and KD, I think they would probably cruise to the finals because they just they mesh so well together, and KD plays is like the perfect player to play off of a of Harden. But now the Kyrie's in there, I don't know how I don't know how Steve Nash and D'Antoni are going to make this work, just from a standpoint of who's the point guard, who's facilitating, and is Kyrie going to play off the ball? Because James Harden, I think, is a better point guard than Kyrie. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It would it, be interesting to see how the three of them mesh together. But, I mean, they're going to be good, and if they don't make the finals, if they don't they don't at least make the finals, and it's a disaster. Yeah. Even as good as Milwaukee is, they need to make the finals with those three dudes. Um, but yeah, Houston got a haul. I think that it was a great move by the Houston front office because now it only, they, get, they have so much draft capital that if they want to bring in another superstar via trade, they can. If they want to dump – John, it's the only way they're going to dump John Wall's contract right now is to pair it with draft picks. They've got plenty of draft picks to do that so they can get out of the John Wall contract. Uh, they've got money now open to be free agent players in the off season. They're they just got so many possibilities of how they can move forward, and I don't think they're going to go through a rebuild like OKC is. I think that I, I, they just seem a little. And this has just kind of been the history of the Rockets. They've always been they'd rather be the eighth seed in the playoffs than rebuild. Yeah. So I'm interested to see where they go from here and like how they play it out, but. Yeah, just a great haul by Houston. Um, bringing in Victor Oladipo. And if Victor is, Oladipo is great and you want to keep him around, you can re sign him potentially. Or if you just want to let him walk, you let him walk and it's no skin off your back. Like it's an expiring contract of a potential like all star player. So yeah. great move by them. I love you know, Cleveland uh, getting Jared Allen. Like that's, I think he's a good center that allows them to you know, make a decision on Jay Drummond. And then, uh, you know, the Pacers getting Karis Levert. I know he has the health concerns, but you know, thank God for the trade potentially saved his life, uh, with the, uh, the growth on his, was his liver? His kidney. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, every team in this deal, like I think came out pretty damn good. So kudos to those teams.
0: Yeah. I, obviously Katie and Harden have already played together. They look great together. The thing about KD and and you know we we can all give him a lot of 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 uh, criticism here for all of the off the court stuff right but there's no denying on the court I mean he's as good as as anybody in the NBA and he works with everybody in the NBA because he's he doesn't have to be ball dominant right like he's right. he's the best off ball player in the league like there's there's no debate he doesn't have to possess the basketball consistently throughout the course of the game to still score 30 points a night and to still be incredibly efficient and give you matchup problems. So from that perspective, it, yeah. I mean, whether it's Kyrie and KD or James and KD, it's going to work because Katie is that guy where it becomes interesting is what happens to the second player when it's, you know, Harden or Kyrie does having the, the, the Chris Bosch in that equation, does that mess with the production you get out of the number two guy and, you know, I, I, I've talked about this a few times with a few different people. And I think the overall, uh, consensus is that even though, Ky- you know, I said this, uh, when the trade happened, I think Kyrie is maybe, has maybe the best handle in the NBA. Like he's,
1: yeah, I think so. He's yeah.
0: incredible with the ball in his hands. That said,
1: I think it's him and Harden. Like I think he, he, yeah. Kyrie and Harden probably have the best handle. Steph
0: probably is right in that conversation as well. Yeah. Steph's handle's really sick, but. I, th- I would give it to Kyrie. I think he has the best handle in the NBA. That said, I think you probably get a little bit more out of Kyrie off the ball than you would out of Harden off the ball. So for me, it would make more sense to give Harden the ball. And I think, you know, if that means Kyrie goes from being... I mean, let, let's just say, like, they're all, like, 99 players, like, 99 grade. If If you take... Kyrie off the ball maybe he he's like a 90 whereas I think if you take Harden off the ball he's like an 80 right like I I just think the drop-off for James Harden without the ball in his hands is greater than what you would get with Kyrie without the ball so I, I, I just think like for the for the sake of the team it will impact the team in a greater way if Kyrie's the guy that is is playing off the ball because I Harden just doesn't want to do anything when he doesn't have the ball right like that's an issue that that's just gonna create problems for everybody else
1: yeah and look, this I mean- There's no denying these dudes are talented. Like they're elite, all NBA, all-star like caliber players. I the interesting storyline for the rest of the year is going to be like the mental like battle or like agreement between Harden and Kyrie because KD, as much as we've trashed him for going to Golden State and like you know ring chasing, you like we there has to be some level of commending to KD of how well he works with other superstars. Like he plays really well with other superstars. He doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to take 40 shots a game. Uh, You know, he just, it seems like he just wants to win. Agreed. Harden and Kyrie. I don't know those dudes. I don't know if they can handle I don't know if either of them can handle being the third guy on a team. I don't either. I don't know. Harden was the third guy on a team for a short time, but that was a long time ago. And he's a completely different player than he was then. Like, I, I think he can him. handle
0: being the two behind KD.
1: I think so, too. But yeah. I don't think either. I think Kyrie can as well. Kyrie's right. already been the two to LeBron. Right. I don't think either of them can handle being the three. I don't,
0: I don't think so either.
1: So it, we might get to a point in March where they're like wrestling with each other to get the ball. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Maybe it works out. Who knows? Maybe they can set their egos aside. But I just I don't have much faith that James Harden and Kyrie can set their egos aside.
0: Yeah. That's that's the the one interesting aspect of this whole thing is it's you know nobody's questioning these guys ability. I mean from a talent standpoint, all three of these guys are elite basketball players, but it's it, you know can they work together? Can they sacrifice for each other? And I think I think both guys are more than willing to sacrifice for KD to be the guy. Even though again, the great thing is the guy quote unquote doesn't have to be ball dominant. So that's the one angle where this this all comes together and works well regardless of the situation. But the difference in them being a champion and not being a champion is what happens with the two and three guys, the the Dwayne Wade and the Chris Bosh, so to speak, of, of the, right. the conversation. I, I, I think the one the one real interesting part is if James Harden is willing to be that number two role and let KD be the guy, like if, if that happens consistently for long enough where he's not scoring 30 points a night, does he become over the course of the season more comfortable with maybe less production by the time the playoffs roll around that, that could be a possibility. Whereas I, I don't know with Kyrie. I just don't think he has the personality to ever maybe let that go. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, even if Kyrie and Cleveland, like he was clearly the two guy, but he had the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. Like he, LeBron Bron, you know, play point guard and be the guy with the ball in his hands a lot of the time. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting.
0: Well, the good thing now is, I mean, you know, James Harden's criticism was always that he disappears in the in the last five minutes of playoff games. Well, now you have two of the best now big game disappear. shot makers yeah. in the history of the league. So uh, James Harden can get you to the finish line, and then you know Kevin Durant and Kyrie can can cross it for him.
1: I don't feel bad for. I, I don't. I, I I don't feel uh, envious of Steve Nash though. So yeah, first year coach, he's got to deal with this. I mean, you got great players, so that's awesome. But. Personality wise,
0: if uh, if this team starts having a lot of success, what is what what is Russell Westbrook thinking? If these, uh, if these three guys like just go on a tear,
1: he's thinking exactly what every like non-Thunder fan has thought, they have probably a lot of Thunder fans now. Yeah. But, you know, they kept the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't mean. It would, I obviously they didn't have a choice with KD like he, he left. I'm sure they would have kept him, right, but yeah, yeah that, uh, Russell probably was the third guy on those teams.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, in in I think the the big picture of everything, like Russell Westbrook as an individual basketball player, is obviously one of the most talented players in the history of the NBA. But I think you can also see what makes Russell great is also what prevents everybody on his team from maybe reaching their peak as well. So, you know, it's kind of a give and take where, and we saw this in Houston a year ago. Um, it, it just, that's, that's the issue with Russ. It's, you know, you're not going to get the best out of everybody else because his usage has to be like absurd for him to be at his best as well. So um, that's, that's why I think with, you know, like with the Durant James Harden thing, like, even even when James Harden doesn't have the basketball, like with Russell Westbrook, he's not a threat to shoot the ball. So when he doesn't have the basketball, like, you know, it's tough. James Harden's always a threat to be able to pull, pull the trigger. So you still have to really account for how much he can stretch you out. So,
1: yeah. Russell Westbrook probably entered the league 10 years too late. He would have been around in the early to mid-2000s. I mean, he would have been... Perennial MVP. I mean, he already was MVP. Yeah, he won rated. Yeah, like, I
0: mean, t- to think that he won an MVP in this era is mind right.
1: blowing. Agree. Yeah, if he would, if he would have played in the two thousands where the scores were eighty five to eighty, I mean, he would have been great. Nobody was shooting. Nobody could hit 30s in. Nobody was shooting threes <laughs> like yeah. physical physical era style of basketball with low. Yeah, he would have been great. So yeah, yeah, it is what it is, though. So it's not like he's had a rough life in his basketball career. He's doing
0: okay. He's doing okay. Yeah. Although. He looks a little weathered already in Washington.
1: Well, watch, watch the playing for the Wizards will do that for you, oh. especially when you know you're the only other good player there. Like a top level player is probably getting traded any day now. Can that just happen already, please? It's been about three years on the table. Let's let's go ahead and pull the trigger and shout. I mean, Bill said he wanted to stay there and win with him, but I think he's. We'll see how he feels after playing with Russell Westbrook uh, for a while. But you know, just- I mean, he's leading
0: the league in scoring like 35 a game. The dude is just falling out. Like he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's been one of the most underrated players in the NBA for a long time. Like I, I, it's funny to me how many people are just now kind of maybe realizing how good Bradley Beal is, but he just, he's he, he played scored, for the wizards. That's the problem.
1: Right.
0: He scored 30 a game last year. Yeah.
1: He's not old either. He's only like 27. Stud. Yeah. He, yeah. He was like a very good player at 19 in the NBA. Like he's, He's still young. He's younger than Harden and and Durant and Curry and Russell, all those guys. Yeah.
0: I remember like a year or two ago, uh, we were we we're doing something talking about like the best, I think it was the best two guards in the NBA because I think that at that point we were still with the Andre Robertson situation in OKC. And it was like the, you know, what if, if you could have anybody in the league, like what's your list look like? And I'm pretty sure it was for me at that point in time, it was like, Obviously, Harden was the best two guard in the league. If you know, again, if you want to consider him that, I had Clay two, and then I had Beal three, and there was I got a lot of criticism for having him over like Donovan Mitchell and uh, who else at that time? I think uh, Victor Oladipo was an All Star at that point two years ago. Yeah, uh, he was. Devin Booker was kind of showing flashes of being a, a you know a really good player in the future, and I'm just like give me Beal all day. Bradley Beal. He's, he's a yep. beast and just he's, doesn't yeah, get enough credit for how good he is. And again, he's one, an, uh, he's another guy that can shoot and doesn't have to just have his, have the ball in his hands all day to be incredibly productive. And those guys are the most valuable players in the NBA.
1: Yeah, He's big too. He's not, yeah. he's not like Donovan Mitchell and you know, six, he's going in there at six two with CJ McCall. He's like, he's a legitimate like six, seven yeah. like, bulky dude that, yeah. like you said, can shoot and, he doesn't get hurt a lot either. Yeah,
0: Any anybody that can give you production without being ball dominant to me is like a you, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you don't yeah. give those guys their props because everybody in the league wants to just dribble, 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 do their thing with the ball and
1: Which of those dudes you listed, even as like quote unquote two guards, the only ones that don't have the ball in their hands a lot are bill yeah. and clay,
0: exactly yeah I mean so. you know devin Booker is well especially before Chris Paul was kind of a a combo yeah, guard was, yeah Donovan Mitchell's kind of a combo guard uh you know it's we say this all the time it's a positionless league now, so it's really hard to like classify guys as as one thing i mean you could you could say Luca is a you know point guard is he a two guard is he a small forward like it's he, right. he kind of plays all of those throughout the course of a game and matches up with all of those on the other end but uh you know same thing for LeBron like I don't know i i, I I, don't, I never say LeBron's a point guard. He's it. Does he play the, the traditional point guard position for the Lakers? Yes. He does a lot, but I mean, I, st- I, I still call him a three. So
1: it's, it's incredible that it only took about 70 years of <laughs> I know. professional basketball to realize we should just let our best player have the ball in his hands yeah. more. Yeah. As much as possible. Yeah.
0: All right. You're our point guard. So we're going to give you the ball. You bring it up and then you give it to this guy. Okay. All Tom. right.
1: All right. Uh, let's see uh all right steve kerr you're the point guard or bj armstrong you're the point guard you yeah. bring it up and then pass it to mj with the with like 18 seconds left on the clock and just let him do what he wants like why not just yeah
0: yeah well the funny the, the like scotty played a lot of point for chicago yeah he did. i mean he was yeah. you know he was the i think i don't know if he was the first but maybe at a at a really high level
1: i i don't like obviously i yeah, I've been alive forever. watching love basketball, but I, I don't remember any other guys like from the '80s standing out. Like, yeah, I not like I don't think Bird was handling the ball as like a facilitator a lot. Yeah, magic, not a ton. Guess, they but, they
0: did run the offense through him a lot, but like, yeah, he wasn't the guy like consistently up and, yeah, yeah, getting the ball on the inbounds and and bringing it up. Where like Scotty Pippen did that a lot, and yep. uh, yeah, I remember like Anthony Mason. I don't know if you remember Anthony Mason. I remember him being like a, you know, a power forward that did that. Uh, not not all the time, but, you know, it was just like mind blowing that there was somebody that was a, that played the four that played would like Knicks. bring the ball up the floor. Yeah. Knicks, Knicks and player. heat, I think mostly, I think okay. he had a, a stretch with the Hornets as well. But, I think I
1: remember yeah. the Knicks, Anthony Mason. Um, yeah. it's. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on where you fall with magic Johnson kind of a yeah. unicorn player so right. but he was a point guard. But so. he was yeah, he
0: was a point guard. So his whole career he he was played that role. But yeah, I mean he's like LeBron. I mean, he just his body allowed him to play any position that you wanted to play right. him in, so. And his skill set was obviously just crazy. All right, man. So we've got uh I think we both agree Packers Chiefs this weekend if we uh if we get Mahomes and I think we're all going to uh to do whatever it is we do whether it's uh Pray or cross your fingers or whatnot that uh, that we get Mahomes. The scary part is with concussions, you can be fine for three days, you know, and And then yeah, yeah. and then I don't know, I I, uh, I'll be devastated if Mahomes doesn't play.
1: Me too. God, that's uh, and it sucks because that's the late the late game. So that's going to be the last like non Super Bowl football game we get. I know, right? And it's going to be Chad Henney.
0: Ugh. That would be brutal. Just bring back my cart. Let's go all Michigan backfield.
1: Yeah. I, I'm a, for, for, one, for the first time in a long time, I'm looking at any potential Super Bowl matchup and thinking that's a fun matchup. So
0: Yeah, I mean, the I'm least excited. exciting for me would be Bucks bills obviously. But, I mean,
1: it's still, even then, you, even then you it's, Brady. Yeah, it's, it's not like I hate it. Brady going to Tampa Bay and Bill Belichick just crying. Yeah. Yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, God, can you can you imagine Tom Brady getting to a Super Bowl in year one with Tampa while Bill Belichick sets at home? Like, there's no more argument, right? Like, Yeah.
1: That's yeah, the quarter yeah, the the quarterback came before the chicken or whatever. Yeah.
0: All right, my friend, uh, always appreciate it. Have a great week and we will catch up uh, next Wednesday. All right, see ya. That is our weekly Wednesday guest, Aaron Davis, joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. If you're not familiar with these products, uh, definitely give them a call, 405-458-9699. Their mission is to help people live a better life. So uh, if you have questions, give them a call don't be afraid to ask whatever it is that that you're concerned about or just want to know i mean it's you know it's all about educating yourself and and uh, they're more than happy to walk you through all these products and and how they can benefit you when you use the discount code Colby Show, colbyshow colbyshow you save 15% off your online order so again check that out order online dot com. discount code colbyshow 15% off your online order at com. All right, everybody, have a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
1: podcast is over.